I want to talk to you about eight promises for one who worships. We won't get to those promises. We'll get to those next week. But I think you'll find the first part of this message to be very encouraging. And I'm going to ask you at certain points to, to repeat after me something I read from this psalm in Psalms 132. Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord, and he vowed to the mighty one of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. I want you to look at that phrase, I will not let my eyes sleep nor my eyelids close in slumber until I find a place. Say that with me. Until I find a place to what? Build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary. He goes on then and says, We heard that the ark was in Ephrathah, and we, there we found it in the district, distant countryside of Jair. Jair was a wooded area. This was a place, there was a period of time where the Ark of the Covenant was not in the tabernacle, it was not in the temple, it was in a tent of David, and there it was just a unique period of time where people could come before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and it stood for the manifested presence of the Lord. We're not going to talk about that this morning, we've talked about that in times past, but just so you'll know what we're looking at here. He said, then let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord and let us worship at the footstool of His throne. Would you read that with me? Let us worship at the footstool of His throne. Let us worship at the footstool of His throne. Now, when you think footstool in the Bible, don't think you're lazy boy, okay? That's not what this is all about. And we'll get into that a little more in the, in the message, but this is an important phrase. Arise, O Lord. Enter your resting place along with the ark, the symbol of your power. Again, let me just stop. Enter your resting place. God's not tired. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, God's not tired. God's not nervous, okay? That's not what this is all about. God is not exhausted. But this is an important part. We want this place, your home, your marriage, our church, to be a resting place of the Lord. Along with the ark, the symbol of your power, may your priests be clothed in godliness. May your loyal servants sing for joy for the sake of your servant David. Do not reject the king whom you've anointed. The Lord swore an oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. And if your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever and ever. Now, just again, a little teaching here because we won't get to it this morning. God did not break covenant with Israel. There's a reason that a king didn't continue to settle. If the kings had been faithful to the covenant, there would have never been an interruption, but because they weren't. Jesus came, the son of David. That's why those genealogies are so important in the Gospels. Jesus came, the son of David. He fulfilled the covenant, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Can you say amen to that? So that's an important, another important point in this psalm because it applies to us today as well. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will live here, for this is the home I desired. I will bless this city. I will make it prosperous. 
I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness. Its faithful servants will sing for joy. And here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, I thank you. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of David, fully God and fully man. Christ, you came and you died for us. You rose for us. And for those that have received you, you live within us. And for that, we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving. And now I ask you to open our hearts and our minds. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we might walk and live in these eight promises that you make to worshipers. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I love to worship the Lord. I love it when we come in here and Pastor Mark has told me from time to time that our our numbers go up online, and we see people coming in sometime towards the end of praise and worship, but I want to tell you, you really miss something when you don't come in early and gather with us to sing the songs of the Lord and to worship the Lord. There's, when we're singing, we're not just doing it as a part of the service. When we pray, it's not just a ritual that we do. When we give, it's not just another ritual. It's all about worshiping the Lord. Even the greeting of one another and the embracing of one another, is, it's all about our worship for the Lord. When we hold the communion, my prayer is for us every week is that we will recognize the sacredness of these emblems that God has given us. This is his broken body. This is his shed blood that God gives us. I was having lunch with someone right outside of Brighton, Michigan recently, and they said, you know, everybody that knows you knows come on victory. He said, people that don't, don't ever say that will once in a while just say, come on victory, and say, Dennis Clanton taught me that. And there's a story, as I was telling the person, there's a story behind that that I've shared before here at the church, and I won't get into this morning, but when I say, come on victory, it's a testimony for me of the victory of God that I experienced because of what Christ accomplished for me at Calvary. When I say Christ died for me, Christ rose for me, and Christ lives in me. That's a living reality for me. It's a living reality for you, and it can be a living reality for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Why don't we just say that together right now? Christ died for me. Christ rose for me. Christ lives in me. One more time. Christ died for me. Christ rose for me. Christ lives in me. And the Apostle Paul would go on to say that all the fullness of Christ lives and dwells in you and I today, and I'm so thankful for that. You see, when I worship the Lord, I experience the victory that God has given me. That's a part of what worship is all about, is experiencing and participating in worship. It's, it's bringing glory to God for what God has done. It's kind of like, and you've seen the old movies of when a conquering hero would come in and the city would rejoice and the soldiers would rejoice. The king would, would place a crown upon the conquering uh, hero's head when he returned. People were participating in the victory. They were rejoicing. You see, the city was safe because the victory had been won. The families were safe because the victory had been won. 
It didn't mean there wouldn't be any more war. It didn't mean there wouldn't be any more conflict. It didn't mean there wouldn't be any more challenges to come along. But for the moment, the city was safe and the city could rest because of the victory that had been accomplished. And when you and I worship the Lord, we're not only worshiping God for who He is. He's worthy of our praise just because of who He is. But we're worshiping Him for what Christ has done. We have rest in our souls. We have peace in our heart. We've experienced the love of God. Our sins have been forgiven. We've become new creations. And Christ's presence through the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. Isn't that good news? Everything changes, and we recognize that as we worship. In Psalms 132 and verse 7, David says, Let's go to the sanctuary of the Lord and let us worship at the footstool of his throne. I've already told you just a few minutes ago that the the footstool was not a lazy boy. When I go home and I get in my lazy boy at home, I sit down and I'm going to back up here for the camera people. I'm going to I'll sit down in my lazy boy and I watch the Georgia-Florida game while the Bulldogs just put it on the Gators and I lean back and I relax. Sometimes if we're watching a family night movie, I'll lean back and as I do within 20 minutes of the movie, I fall fast asleep and everybody else watches the movie. But that's not what we're talking about here. If you could imagine for just a moment and I'm going to step off the platform to illustrate this, but if you could imagine this pulpit, this pulpit is the throne of God. Just make that. So I don't belong here. This is the throne of God. So what I do is I'm going to come down here onto the floor of the sanctuary because the Bible says that heaven is where the throne of God is and the earth is his footstool. God reigns from heaven. The earth is his footstool. David is saying, Lord, make your footstool here in Zion. Make your footstool here in Jerusalem, because wherever the feet of God is at, God is ruling and reigning there. Do you remember the story of Joshua, where the Lord told Joshua, says, Joshua, every place that you put your feet, I'm going to give that to you. Do you remember the story of the priest when they had to cross the Jordan River? The Lord didn't part the waters until he said, first of all, when the priests put their feet in the water, even the natural flow of the river will part so that you can walk across on dry ground. And they took some stones out of the riverbed and they built an altar of remembrance on the other side. Now I'm going to come back up to the platform for just a moment because in mine and Becky's bedroom, we have a love seat with a footstool at our love seat. And in that Footst- I don't go up there to watch television. I, I sometimes will go up there and I'll sit and I'll read a book in that footstool. Sometimes I will kneel. That has been an altar for me for many years. <clears throat> I've asked Becky not to get rid of it. I know at some time in life, like she usually does, she's going to say it's time for it to go. But we brought it up here from Georgia, and I've spent a lot of hours praying at that footstool, worshiping the Lord and seeking the Lord. But when our kids were younger, we're grandparents now, but when our kids were younger, sometimes they would say, Dad, can we go upstairs to your room and can we talk there at the love seat? And I always knew when they said that it was going to cost me some money, okay? I always knew because anywhere else they were willing to talk to me, but they wanted privacy. They wanted to be alone with Dad. They maybe haven't even asked Becky, and I've got some, I tell them, I said, I always got to discuss this with your mother, but... They go upstairs, and 
they would, I would sit on the love seat and they would sit there on the footstool and they would tell me what they needed, what they wanted, and why they wanted it. And I would say nine times out of ten, I always reached in my hip pocket and I gave them what they wanted. You see, when you read footstool here, God's not tired, God's not exhausted, but the authority and the dominion and the power and the rule and the reign of God, what is underneath the feet of Jesus is underneath your feet today. Isn't that good news? And that's why we're praying, Lord, make our church a footstool. You see, the victory of God was for you and it was for me. God did not accomplish his victory for people who would not serve him. God did not accomplish his victory for nations who would not serve him. God said, look at uh, verse 13 of the book of Hebrews, God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. When Christ died for your sins and he rose again and he ascended into heaven as we confess in the Apostles' Creed and he ascended into heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father, there he rules and reigns and the enemies of God are underneath the feet of Jesus and they're underneath your feet as well. Now where God's presence is, is where his footstool is. And God's presence terrifies his enemies. There's nothing that the enemy fears more than people who know God, serve God, and love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. As a matter of fact, there's something different about people. There are people who go to church, and there are people that know God. There are people who go to church and they know God and they come together to worship and they realize as they sing the songs of the Lord, as they pray together, as they worship together, as they minister together, as they give together, something powerful is being accomplished in the name of Jesus. Last night our pastors led the prayer service while Becky and I were driving back home and as we were coming through Ohio, we were watching online, or Becky had the phone, and I was, we were praying, and Becky got to praying. I mean, she was interceding, and I was agreeing with her in prayer, and it was so exciting. It was like the Spirit of the Lord filled our car, and all of a sudden, I'm praying with her. I realized I'm passing everybody and their brother on the interstate, and I look down at the speedometer in the Mustang, and I'm going over 85 miles an hour. Now, I'm not blaming that on Becky, and I'm not blaming that on God. I just got excited last night, and so I backed off almost to the speed limit because I didn't want to give Ohio any of my hard-earned money. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you're in the presence of God, it's energizing. It's invigorating. It's bracing. You are lifted up in life. And what happens is suddenly you know God is greater. You know that God is bigger. You know what Jesus said is true. With men these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 49, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What does that mean? It's the place of glory. It's the place where God's power is being poured out. 
It's the place for what is, is the will of God in heaven is being accomplished upon this earth, is being released upon this earth. Jesus didn't teach us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just because it's sweet and just because it's religious, we're actually asking God as we worship him, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're recognizing the awesomeness, the holiness of God. We're worshiping him for who he is. He's worthy of our worship. But then we come to this place where we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This terrifies the enemy. And there's something different about people who live in the presence of God. Becky and I were having dinner in a restaurant out of town, and we walked into the restaurant, and as we walked past the table, in a few moments, a couple got up and came over to our table and said, may we sit down and talk with you for a moment? And we said, yes, we're in a rather nice restaurant. It was kind of strange. And they said, we don't know what it was, but when you walked past us, every one of us, we felt something. It was like power. It was like peace. It's just emanating off your lives. And we had a chance to tell them about Jesus Christ and what he'd done for us. She was a buyer for Saks Fifth Avenue. Her husband held a job in, in, in Washington, D.C. for the government, an important position. And we were able to share Christ with them. Understand this, when you are worshiping the Lord, you walk out of the presence of God, but the presence of God goes with you when you leave that place. Some people wonder, why isn't God moving in my life? Why isn't God moving in my community or in my subdivision? My question is, have you gone to the footstool? Have you gone into the presence of the Lord? Have you taken time to worship the Lord? You see, there are qualifications for a footstool of worship. Those qualifications, according to just this psalm and many other places, is we must be a people of praise. We must be a people of worship. We must be a people of not only prayer, but of intercession. Intercession is not like, you know, your friend has got cancer, and you pray, Lord, I ask you to heal Bob or Jill of cancer. But we intercede, our hearts break for them. We feel their pain and we get into the presence of God. It's not a like, God, whatever. It's like we get in and say, Lord, this is what your word says. There is an enemy here. We want your will done on earth as it's done in heaven. When Jesus met darkness, he brought light. Isn't that true? When Jesus met hunger, he bought bread and fish. Isn't that true? When Jesus met the blind, he brought sight. When Jesus met the crippled, he bought healing. When Jesus met the leper, and this is so beautiful to me, people could not touch the leper, but when God laid his hand upon them, they became clean. When Christ touches you, your life changes. Your life changes. And God is looking for people who will let him work inside of them. So what I'm asking us as a congregation as we get ready for the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, and as I get ready for next week's message to preach and to share with you, is that we recognize and we invite the presence and the power of God through worship. That's important. Recognize God is here. God is in you, with you wherever you go, your car, your home. 
recognize his presence. Take a moment to say, Lord, sometimes while you're working, I may not feel you, but I know that you're here. Recognize that when you go to bed at night, you just take time to say, Lord, I know that you are here. And not only recognize him, but invite him to manifest his presence. Remember how I took a moment just to explain to you about where the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was? David so enjoyed that presence and that power of God. He was like, Lord, I want to build a sanctuary for you. I want to build a place, a a habitation for you. And God would say to David, David, you're not going to be the one to build it, but you can be the one to prepare for it. You can be the one to get things ready for it. And who knows that what God might be doing in our lives right now that we're preparing the next generation for. We're preparing our children. We're preparing our grandchildren. We're preparing our great-grandchildren if Jesus tarries. And I pray that he comes soon. But let us not be dwaddling around, spending our kids' inheritance of time and of energy. Let us invest that time by worshiping the Lord and prepare and say, Lord, build your footstool here. I was watching that video this morning of the ladies' meeting, DFL. That was filmed in Springfield, that lady riding the horse down the street. We've eaten on that street and walked down that street a number of times and I've been off of Facebook for about three weeks now, just, just kind of seeking the Lord. And there's just been so many things, people in our congregation who need a touch. And, you know, my son just got home from a six-month deployment in the Middle East and just really been seeking the Lord. My friend that posted something on Facebook, though, about Springfield, and he's a very positive person. He's a godly person. As a matter of fact, he had a lot of influence in my life. He doesn't live in Springfield. So I don't know what possessed him to do. Have you ever done anything you just wish you could take it all back? You ever said anything, I wish I could just put those words back? Have you ever hit sin and go, no, come back? You know, you just wish you hadn't done it. I have a feeling he feels, I'm going to call him, he feels this way now because he posted something negative about Springfield. The marvelous thing was how many people in Springfield have been posting on his site, because he has quite a following of what a great city it is and what's happening in Springfield and how much they love Springfield. They're shocked that he criticized Springfield. And, you know, and I thought, I bet this was a time where he wished I could get it all back. My prayer is that we will think that way about Downriver. We will think that way about Brownstown and Flat Rock and Woodhaven and New Boston and Huron Township and Trenton and, and, and Taylor. Suddenly, we will begin to pray over our city and worship the Lord and invite the presence of God and say, God, we want this to be a place where your glory is poured out. Build your footstool here. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. Pray the will and the kingdom of God in. Let me tell you two stories real quickly to kind of wrap this up. When Becky and I were wanting to build our first house, back in those days, you had to save at least 25% to be able to. Do you remember those days? You couldn't get a 95% mortgage or a 100% mortgage. You had, to, you had to show you had skin in the game. And we had saved our money, and we were looking for a house, and we kept looking at houses, and they were just not quite what we wanted. And... and um, the bank had already extended us a line of credit and says, you know, just go out and find what you want. And 
Jeanette was the name of my, my banker, and she, she kept encouraging me. She'd call me. And so one day, my banker's house burnt down. I liked where she lived, but I could never afford to live there. The house burnt down, so I went and saw the property, and there was the landscaping there. There was so many nice things there that, you know, you can build a house, but then it takes money to landscape it, right? And it takes money to get everything else there. And, and so I, I made an offer. I was able to pay cash and buy the land, and then we, we had to keep saving a little more to build so that we could build what the subdivision required. And I would go out to that property because it was either going to be I had bought more than I could chew, you know, bitten off more than I could chew. I bought more than I could chew, and maybe I would have to sell it. And I knew I could make a profit off of it, but I went out and I told Becky, I said, if you get a call from any of the neighbors, I've not lost my mind, but I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to start walking around that property and I'm going to start worshiping the Lord and just praying, God, help us to build a home here. So I went out there and I Walked around the property seven times. Don't ask me why seven. I wasn't trying to imitate Jericho or anything like that. I just walked around that acre and a quarter seven times, and I just worshiped the Lord. And next day, I was like, I'm going to do that again. So when I left the office, I drove, and I kept worshiping the Lord. By the end of the week, people started calling me and saying, listen, I want to do this to help you. I, I had electricians call and say, I want to pull your electricity when you build your house. I want to wire your house for you. Somebody else called, and they would just list of things. And all of a sudden, all of this labor was being donated. And I, I called the contractor, and he goes, well, I'm not going to charge you anything for my services. Or I'm not going to, if they're going to do this, I'm going to. You see, worship, I believe, brought into our lives the fulfillment of God's plan for us. Now, we, we built that house, hold on to that story, and in a few months, not even a year after we built that house, the Lord called us to move to Macon, Georgia. I didn't want to move. We were talking about this last night in the car, weren't we, sweetheart? I, I didn't want to move to Macon, and, and yet the Lord called. It was clear. I went away for three days to fast and pray in Lake City, Florida, and Becky was, was home fasting and praying, and I came home. I pulled into the garage, and and Becky met me at the door, and she says, let me show you what God showed me in the Scripture. And she said, I just worshiped the Lord this week. And I said, honey, that's what I did. I just worshiped the Lord. And when she pulled out her verse, it was the exact same verses that I had written down that confirmed. So we gave that house back to the Lord. We moved to Macon. We, we bought another house. We, we then got there, a bankrupt church. I've told you that story before bankrupt church, 21 people with Becky and I, most of the people were elderly and retired, and we were the biggest givers in the church. We started doing the same. We just started walking around the eight acres of property that we had, worshiping the Lord. God built a sanctuary and paid cash for it. God built the second largest middle school in middle Georgia. I'm telling you, friends, when you worship the Lord and you take time to get in His presence, and you pray not selfishly, and you're willing to give back whatever God gives you, God will accomplish miracles. And within just a few months after we built that church, God called us away again to go into district office. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Worship, I'm not preaching this about being a consumer. We're not trying to consume for ourselves. 
We're not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to be selfish. We want the will and the kingdom of God done on this earth as it's done in heaven. Can you say amen to that? Look at John chapter 1 and verse 14. So the word became human, made his home among us. We were, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. See, what David was looking for, he was looking for the presence of God. And what John is writing about here is the presence of God was with us. And Jesus, we've seen his glory. We've felt his touch. We've, we've seen his presence. Please don't miss this. Because if you're hungry for God, if you want God, if you want his reality, if you want the fullness of, your pre- of his presence, then you're willing to go after God, not the blessings of God. The blessings of God will come to people who go after God. Let me say it again. The blessings of God will come to people who go after God, but we have to treasure him as the highest value, the highest virtue, the highest gain in our life. David's not looking in Psalms 132 for a devotional relationship with the Lord. He's already got that. He's been writing the Psalms. David is not looking for a conqueror. He's already got that. He's seen the Lord conquer Goliath. He slew the bear and the lion as a boy. He's seen God conquer his enemies. He's not looking for a savior because he knows that the Lord has already saved him and established him on the throne of Israel. What David wants more than anything is the presence of God, the abiding presence of God. And that's why he says in Psalms 132, I will not sleep, I will not slumber until I can build you a sanctuary, until I can build a place for your footstool, for your authority, for your power and your dominion to rest in Jerusalem. And what the Lord is saying to him is, David, you won't build it, but if your sons will be faithful to me, I will do more through them than you could ever dream or imagine. And friends, God has been good to you and me. But we need to start dreaming some big dreams for our kids. Because our culture is going through a difficult, challenging time right now. And I hear people left and right talking about the world going to hell in a handbasket. The world may be collapsing. The world systems may be collapsing. But the kingdom of God abides forever and ever. And we establish that through our praise and worship. Psalms 23 and verse th- 22 and verse 3 says, You are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. I want God enthroned on the praises of this church, on the praises of your life, and everywhere we go. Can you say amen this morning? Would you stand with me? I want you to come back next week, and I want you to hear the rest of this message because God makes eight very precious promises, powerful promises to you and I in this passage. I'm going to ask you to do something. I asked the first service to do this, and people were in the altar. People were in the pews. It doesn't matter to me if you stay at your pew or if you want to come to the altar, but would you come, and we're just going to be quiet in the presence of the Lord. Either kneel where you're at or come to the altar, and let's kneel in his presence, and let's worship him this morning. And then I'll close us with a time of prayer and a blessing. This Would you do that right now? If you're watching online, why don't you just, in your car, if you can, just, just begin to worship and to pray. You can sing a song to the Lord, whatever you want to do. I, I sing a lot of my praises. If you're at home, maybe you could just kneel down at your sofa, or maybe you have a footstool in your living room or your family room, and you could just kind of imagine that being a place 
where you can kneel and worship the Lord. But let's kneel in his presence. God is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, Father, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. The Word of God says that you were the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Lord Jesus. And that your blood atones for the sin of each of us. And that all who put their trust and their faith in you, they can be saved, they can be born again. You bring us from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the enemies of God, the enemies of human beings are terrified by the presence of the Lord within each and every one of us. Why don't you give him thanks for that right now? You don't have to be afraid of the enemy. The enemy is terrified of you when you recognize this truth. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that your will is good. <laughs> we thank you that your will is perfect. And as Romans chapter 12 says, it's pleasing, Lord. Your will is pleasant. It is good for us. Your will is good to us. As we kneel at your feet, Lord, we confess that what is underneath the feet of Christ is underneath the feet of his church, of his people today. Hallelujah. Don't you love him? And I'm going to ask you if you would just agree with me in prayer right now. So, Heavenly Father, as we're kneeling in your presence, there are people at home watching online. There may be people here in this sanctuary today. God, they're sick, or there's an emotional or spiritual, psychological need that they have. Maybe, Lord, there's, Father, of relational need in their family with their children. God, maybe their hearts are gripped with fear and anxiety about everything they see happening around us in the world. Father, maybe it's even a financial need this morning. My prayer right now in the name of Jesus is that, Lord, your kingdom will come. Your will will be done in each and every life. Lord, where there's cancer, I pray for divine healing in the name of Jesus. I ask you that cancer cells be destroyed, that what Christ accomplished for us would be done, that, Lord, 
death will be held back because Christ lives in us. We know, Lord, that all of us one day will close our eyes and go into be in the presence of the Lord, and we welcome that time when it's time, but may no one be cut down before you say it's time for them, Lord, to come home. Lord, I pray for those today, Jesus, that their families are broken and shattered. I ask you that the footstool of God be established in their homes that, Lord, our children will love their spouses, that our children will love their children, that, God, our grandchildren will respect and love their moms and dads and honor them that it might be well with them. And may we, O oh Lord, God, experience the respect of our grown children, Lord, as they honor us. For the Word says that parents are the pride of their children and grandchildren are the glory, Lord, of grandparents. I bless you for this. And Father, I pray right now a blessing upon each and every one who kneels or sits in your presence, driving in their car at home or in this church. Father, may they walk out of this room covered and clothed in the holy presence of the Lord. May others sense, may others smell, may others perceive Oh, God, the grace and the kingdom of heaven at work in their lives. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And while everyone is still praying, if you've never committed your life to Christ, this is a good time to do that right now. You're still watching for a reason. God's touched you. you God's drawn you. And it's not just curiosity or it's not just you happen to be here, but there's a reason that you're watching right now. And I believe the Lord is saying to you, put your trust in me. Put your faith in me. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That's how much he loves you. And you may be like a friend of mine who said, God couldn't love me. Oh, you just don't know how much God loves you. But today, you can be born again. You can have a new life in Christ by just simply saying, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me. And thank you, Lord, as I confess you as my Lord and Savior, that you come to live inside of me. And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Those of you that are here, would you stand with me this morning and let me send you home with a pastoral blessing today as well. May the Father in heaven touch you. Let's stand up all across the building. May the Father in heaven touch you with his hand. May the scent of his presence of all that is pure and holy and good and kind, may it come just flowing off of you. And when you walk into a room, may people say, it feels like Jesus has walked into this room today. And may he give you a blessed, a prosperous, and a productive week. Go in God's name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed today. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope 
that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.